Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung here. Hey, if you can take a moment, we're going to take a look at the book. Go to the book of Jeremiah. It's one of the ancient Jewish prophets that wrote 2,500 years ago and was actually talking about events that would unfold in our day. I have in my hand a copy of this five-hour audio series that is on CD entitled Jeremiah, A Unique Prophecy. Well, he's a unique prophet. It's a unique prophecy with a unique purpose that you need to study through. Jeremiah and judgment is what we're going to be talking about as we study together today. I want you to get your Bibles handy. And after we have our study, I'll tell you how you can get your own copy of Jeremiah, a unique prophecy. Right now, though, let's go to the book of Jeremiah for our study on Jeremiah and judgment. Look at the last part of verse 23. And they were destroyed from the earth, and Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. Verse 24. And the waters prevailed upon the earth. Chapter 8, verse 9. But the dove, after those days of the flood, God tells Noah, he remembered Noah, not like, oh man, what was I doing? I forgot all about Noah. No. <laughs> That's not the remembered. He he knew he had to take care of him. So he says, Noah, send a dove out to see if the waters have started to go down. And there's dry land. Verse 9, But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned unto him unto the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. This was a universal flood. It destroyed all of mankind except eight people. I hope I've touched base with that. But you know what's going to be in the last days? The deluge will be denied. Now, after the flood, some changes. Look at chapter 8, verse uh, 17. Bring forth thee every living thing that is in thee of all flesh, both of fowl and of the cattle and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, the dinosaurs and everything else that's in there in that large ark, that they may breed abundantly. By the way, I bet you were thinking about the rabbits in the ark. <laughs> That's how I know they hibernated. <laughs> There'd have been 10 million rabbits in that ark, <laughs> or some amount. Anyway, no, they didn't breed inside the ark. He brought them out to breed abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. And Noah went forth and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him, every beast, every creeping thing in every fowl and whatsoever creepeth upon the earth after their kinds went forth out of the ark. And Noah building an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast. Remember he took seven of the clean in. He did that so they could have sacrifices. He brings them from a burnt offering. Now look at verse 22. And while the earth remain seed time and harvest cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. He started to bring in harvest time. Winter, summer, fall, and spring. Before the flood, no Arctic, no ice caps in Greenland. Every time I fly back from Europe, in the daytime I look out there, look over all that ice. I hope we're not going down in those times, you know. There was nothing like that before the flood. Afterwards, and all was shaped up. You know what? Go to to chapter 104 of Psalms, just a moment. Let me just show you something. 
Let me show you. The earth was changed, and who did it? God. Psalm 104, verse 5. Who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever. Thou coverest it with deep, with a, as with a garment. There's the flood he's talking about. The waters stood above the mountains. Confirmation from the psalmist of what Moses wrote to the Jewish people and what Peter talked about. Verse 7, at thy rebuke they fled. At the voice of thy thunder they hastened away. They go up by the mountains. They go down by the valleys unto the place which thou hast found for them. Thou hast set a bound that may not be passed over, that they turn not again to cover the earth. God reformed just as he had the earth covered with water. Now after the flood, he reforms the earth and the mountains go up. I was just in the Alps. Oh, unbelievably beautiful. And the valleys, he formed them all and made an earth for us to live today. As we are today, just touch base one more time. Look over here at Second Peter. We're going back to Jeremiah. But Second Peter, let me just show you something. Three things he's talking about here. Three periods of time. Verse 4, and saying, where is the promise of thy coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, the things continue as they were from creation. Now, verse 5, here's the first thing he says. For this they will and are ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. That's creation. Verse 6. Whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. That's the flood. Both of them are absolute or you deny the word of God. You deny Jesus Christ. Verse 7. But the heavens and the earth which are now that's today, reality of the day. By the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment. I'll not cover it with water again. In fact, to prove that, I put up a rainbow. That's my covenant with you. I'll not cover the earth with water. But the day, as the earth now stands, post-flood, it shall be judged with fire. Thus, the last day, scoffers will deny. We're going to look at Jeremiah chapter 45 and 46 in just a moment. Go back to Genesis a moment. What happened right after the flood? What was my little 6, 7, and 8 is Noah and the floods. Chapter 9 of Genesis, Noah after the flood. You know what the first thing that we have recorded that God said after the flood to Noah? Here's what he said, verse 1. And God blessed Noah and his sons, and he said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth. That was God's directive. God's directive. This is the divine division we're going to look at of nations. God's directive is be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. You know what chapter 10 is? It's a genealogy. You know what a genealogy in chapter 10 represents? Obedience to God. Look what it says in chapter 1. Now these are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Jepheth, and unto them were sons born after the flood, the sons of Jepheth. Just notice some of these sons. I want you to notice this. The sons of Jepheth, Gomer and Magog, skip over to them, Tubal and Meshech, go to chapter 10, verse 3, the last one, to Garma. Did you ever hear those names before? They're in the prophecy of Ezekiel, chapter 38, the nations that will come against Israel in the last days. 
When did they come into existence? Not today, not in Ezekiel's day, in Noah's day, right after the flood. They were grandsons of Noah. Magog, Meshach, Tubal, Gomer, Tagorma. That's modern-day Russia, Ukraine, modern-day Turkey. Three of the nations that will come against Israel in the last days. They were grandsons of Noah. They were, you see, prophecy starts in Genesis. That's why I say if you don't accept the truth of the creation and the flood, you're not going to accept biblical prophecy. God's directive was be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. We've got this stupid philosophy today. Okay, you can only have two children because we're over-flooding the world with children, with people. Do you know what, folks? You can take every person, six billion people on this earth, go to Jacksonville, Florida, give them two square feet, and every one of them can stand up in the city limits of Jacksonville, Florida. You can go to the state of Texas, build them a house for a family of four, give them a little, simple little yard, and you can put everybody in this earth in a house, dividing them up by fours in the state of Texas. We're not overflowing the earth. God said, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Spread out all over. That was God's directive. God's disappointment came, though, when they didn't do it. That's chapter 11 of the book of Genesis. Nimrod, the great-grandson of Noah, he goes into a place called Babel. That's the beginning of his kingdom. He gets over there and he said, I'm not going to spread out. And look, folks, you're not going to spread out either. We're going to stay right here. We're going to build us a great city. We're going to put up a monument to our greatness. All right, let's start building. Come on, let's move it. God up in heaven, looking down. Now, my Sunday school teacher told me that what happened was God looked down and got afraid that actually Nimrod and his people would build a tower that could reach all the way into heaven. Can you imagine God up in heaven going, Oh, look, Jesus, come here, look at this. They're going to build a tower. Oh, my, oh, Holy Spirit, where are you? Come here, look at this. You think God was having an anxiety attack in heaven? I don't think so. That's not what he was uptight about, that they were going to build a tower to heaven. What was he uptight about? I told them to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Now what are they doing? They went to Babel. And that Nimrod, that's, that's a great-grandson of Noah. He should have known better. Noah's still alive. Noah could have told him. Noah lived 300 years after, 350 to be exact, the flood. He knew Nimrod, held Nimrod on his knee. Now he's grown up. He's building this great city. They're not spreading across the world like God told them to do it. They're building a tower as a monument. And God said, let us, the Trinity, by the way, let us go down and confound their languages. I'd have loved to have been there that day. <laughs> there are times in the Bible where I just would have loved to have been there. Because there's old Nimrod, the foreman of the job. All right, move those bricks down here. Get that slime over here. We're building this. I said, what did he say? I don't know. Another guy walking by says, Que pasa, man? <laughs> Another one walking by says, Guten Morgen. That's good morning in German. Another one says, Ohio. Good morning in Japanese. 
All this is going on. He confines the language. You know what I found out? Just came through Europe. Most German-speaking pe people live in Germany. Most French-speaking people live in France. Most Polish-speaking people live in Poland. God divided the nations. Now go to Jeremiah. Go to Jeremiah. A divine division has taken place. God divides them. He sets them into their places. And there's some of them. There's some of them. They're going to face judgment. Chapter 46, verse 2. Against Egypt. He's going to make a judgment against Egypt. In the last days, he's going to judge the Egyptians for what they have done. You can read it. I'm not going to read through all of these verses. Egypt. Slip over to chapter 49, verse 23. I'm skipping around a moment. Chapter 49, verse 23. Concerning Damascus. He's going to make a judgment against Damascus, which is modern-day Syria. Look over here in verse 34 of chapter 49. The word of the Lord that came unto Jeremiah the prophet against Elam. Elam. That is modern day Iran. He's going to make a judgment against. Go back here to chapter 48. Chapter 48. Against Moab, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Moab. That is the central part of modern-day Jordan. All of chapter 48 is about Moab. Chapter 49, against the Ammonites. That's the northern third of modern-day Jordan. Chapter 49, verse 7, concerning Edom. That's the lower third of modern-day Jordan. Do you hear what I just said? I said Egypt, south of Israel, Syria, north of Israel. You know what Daniel 11.40 says? Syria and Egypt in the last days will come against Israel. May I report to you at this minute what's happening? The elite commando units of the Syrian military, my fifth largest army in the world, at the northern border of Israel. In the south, the Egyptian military doing a military exercise, ready to go against Israel. Iran, they have moved missile launching sites into southern Lebanon, ready to go against Israel. Ammon and Moab, modern-day Jordan, yesterday a trial in Amman, Jordan. Militants who want to institute, listen to me, Islamic Jihad, holy war. Are we here? Are we at this spot? You know why I can know this is real? Forty. 500 years ago, God looked on the earth and he said, repent me of what I did. I'm going to wipe them all out.
universal judgment took place. And now he says, I'm going to take care of the enemies of Israel. Oh, by the way, when I was telling you about the division of the nations, you know who Egypt is? Mizram. That's chapter 10 of Genesis, 500 years before Abraham. So Egyptians, Arabs, are not brothers of the Jews from Father Abraham. They didn't come from Ishmael. You know who Syria is? Aram, a son of Shem, grandson of Noah, 500 years before Abraham. You know who Iran is? Elam, another son of Shem. You know who Ammon and Moab are? Incestuous relationship between Lot and his two daughters produced Moab and Adam, Ammon, not sons of Father Abraham. But you know what Zechariah 14.2 says? Not only these nations that I've divided, but all the nations of the world will gather at Jerusalem in the last days. And I will bring judgment upon them. Why did I start with the flood? That set the precedent that God will judge the world when you disobey and you go against his people as Jeremiah tells us judgment is coming thus deny the flood deny coming judgment and maybe we can escape it if you deny the flood you better be absolutely right are you in trouble? Father, thank you for the Word of God. The Word of God helps us to understand your acts of the past, your present activities, and those acts prophesied in your book. We look at the past, live in the present, coming to an understanding of the future. And as we study these truths in this book and the other books giving us evidence and help in understanding better Jeremiah, help us to allow it to bring us to a place we're willing to conform to your image and eagerly await your coming. But also at the same time, may we energetically tell others of what is ahead so that they can come with us into the ark to be protected from the coming judgment. My precious name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. God's Word tells us what will happen in the end times. The book of Jeremiah, a unique prophecy indeed, is speaking to our day. Over 2,500 years ago, the prophet Jeremiah wrote this book. 
and it is as up-to-date as the front page of the newspaper. Well, you need to study the entire series. It's a five-hour audio series entitled Jeremiah, A Unique Prophecy. It's on CD, so you can study it if you're on a long trip someplace and have a beneficial time on the road. Again, the title, Jeremiah, A Unique Prophecy, a five-hour audio series on CD. You can call our toll-free number and make your order. It's 877-674-3298. Now, that's toll-free from across America. Won't cost you a penny to make the call and order your copy of Jeremiah, A Unique Prophecy. Again, the number, 877-674-3298. Or go to our website, prophecytoday.com and click on the shopping mall. There you can make the order as well. When we studied Jeremiah, that prophecy that was written 2,500 years ago seems like we're talking about what is happening today. It's evidence that Jesus Christ could shout to call us up to be with him in the heavenlies forevermore at the rapture of the church. And after saying that, you know what? There's nothing left for me to say except let's keep looking up until... 